Hey witches, I'm Hanny. And I'm Liz. And this is the Witchy Bites Podcast. Episode 32. So Hannah, did I tell you that we had someone reach out to us on Instagram? Oh, yes, tell me. And they are, their name is Kim. Hello, Kim. Hi, Kim. She's active right now. So, hey, Kim. Uh, Kim's in the UK and last message I received in January was that she was listening to the episode 14 bonus episode was hoping to make it through five episodes at work. And I was like, that's a lot of our voice. Yeah, that, that's an ambitious total for one day. Where so, I apologise in advance <laughs> for however that turned out. So shout out to Kim. Hi, Kim. Hi, Kim. Hopefully you're still listening Sorry, by the time Kim. you get to this episode. Because <laughs> that would be awkward. Yeah. Okay. No, we're still recording. Okay. So today we are talking to you about researching witchcraft and how to, I guess, tell what kind of resource is a good resource to read. Yeah. I suppose like we're going to talk a bit about our, how we research, probably more how Liz researches. No, how we both (laughs) research. (laughs) We're librarians, of course, we both research the same way. Uh, mm, and, yeah, how to tell if something's, like, reliable or a good resource or something that you would like to use. It will be slightly academic, I suppose. Maybe. But also it's not just the kind of things that you may have learned at school or uni or stuff like that. We're also going to talk about trusting how you feel about something that you read or watch or listen to Yeah, as well. So it's not just, you know, school stuff essentially um, it's it's wider than that it is like i mean that that will be a focus on it it came out of so there was someone that on a forum that that i'm on they said they didn't know how to trust information that they mm, were reading and yeah. how to research and yes. that kind of thing and I th- and that's where this idea for this topic came from yeah so maybe a bit more dry we'll try not to make it too because it's dry. like it, it is dry, and <laughs> the way it's presented for uni and school courses can be really boring. But also, it's important. Like, yes, we librarians totally biased in that way, but you don't want to read something that tells you to do something, or watch a video that tells you to do something, and then just do it. And it isn't correct in that limitations it, of the yeah, resources. Like it, it's it's. It's not right for you or you feel you have to do it some way because you read about it or watched something that said you have to do it this way. Or a person is a total expert in the field and you try it and it doesn't work for you. Like- yeah, and that's your fault. It might not be at all. So it's, it's more about how to interpret what you find. Exactly, yes. Yes. So I guess we'll start with talking about like what kinds of material are there for researching witchcraft and that kind of thing. So... This will be a little bit academically because I'll use terms that you probably won't be used to. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is like primary sources, so like primary materials. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of literary works. So think art, archaeology, diaries, eyewitness accounts, news reports, mm. that kind of thing. So a primary source would be, say, someone's 
though don't use this, someone's diary yeah, or your own diary. So if you have a dream journal, that would be a primary resource. Whereas if you read a book about that compiled people's dreams, that's not a primary resource. Does it make sense? Am I correct? Yeah. So secondary materials, so pretty much they're materials that comment on and interpret primary yeah. So actually a lot of stuff that you will find will probably be a secondary source, depending. Yeah. Yeah. So we're looking at like journal articles, mm-hmm. literature reviews, textbooks, and biographies. So they're the kind of things that become secondary materials. Mm. Oh, and if you want to know about this kind of stuff, every university library will have this information on their website. So I actually took this from the Monash University Library. Monash have great resources about this and like other libraries use their resources because we do. (laughs) In my library we do. (laughs) This is very few of us. Um, (laughs) So I suppose with primary and secondary resources, so say if someone made a YouTube video about their own experiences, that's not a primary resource. That's grey literature. Okay, I'm trying to relate it back to something that people listening will actually use rather than like an academic text. I guess like if you're thinking about primary works, think of things like the Edders or Edda. I don't know if there's there's two Edders that I know of. So (laughs) Edders with an S. You know, things like that. Again, like it's kind of hard to know the difference until you start looking at it. But um, even things like Stonehenge would be a primary resource because it's a thing that they made at that time. All right, the next one is peer-reviewed. Now, that this one's very academic. It's pretty much where experts on the field have said, have looked at a particular, it would be journal articles. They've looked at journal articles and they've actually reviewed it before it's gone to print. And often these are done like what they call double blind. So the people reviewing it don't know who written it and vice versa to try and reduce some of those biases that can creep in. We're going to talk a bit about biases later. <laughs> for sure. <we> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it might be more important for you if you're doing like information, archaeology yep. journal articles would be a good example of that. Maybe like some historical thing on like mm. witch trials and, and stuff like that. Maybe someone's reviewed that because we know that there's a lot of misinformation about witch trials, for yeah. example. And, I mean, I suppose this isn't peer review, but think of it as a way of say you're looking at a book by an author and there's reviews on the back from other people that you know are reputable you know this person practices witchcraft or this person's a druid like you know that and if they've written a review of that book saying it's pretty good you might be more inclined to look at it and and rely on it that's not what peer review is because that's just a review but that's how it works in a way it's people looking at it without knowing who wrote it and saying yes this is a good piece of research i confirm that the information of this is correct yeah based on my expertise Yeah. yeah So it's more structured than just writing a review, but it's reputable people in that field doing the blind review. It's not just, you know, you're going out into the stream and ask someone what they think of this thing. This is actually someone who studied it. So for peer review. Yeah. So it's about the reputation. is reviewing it. Yeah. (laughs) But it's about, it's about, um, it's, it's more than just, you know, 
It's an academic quality check. That's what it yeah. is. That's what all it is. It's just ensuring that the info is correct and that people aren't just saying I think and pretending yeah. they know what they know about. And the other thing, like if you're looking at a journal, you know, if you're at uni and you're going through and you find something that talks about witchcraft in amongst something else or in amongst what you're studying, um, like an archaeological journal or something like that, if you see that it's peer-reviewed, you know that it's probably going to have some good information or better information, more reliable information than some of the others. And you'll find that maybe like if you're a reconstructionist kind of witch, maybe you'll yep. find that this is the resources that you'd want to look at more. Yeah. 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 So grey literature. Grey literature is essentially non-traditional publishing. So it's think of it as like government documents, newsletters. So maybe like the local pagan group has a newsletter they put out. That would be grey literature. Uh, blogs, YouTube, podcasts, and that kind of thing. So, you know, we're, we're grey literature, I guess. <laughs> Materials. I remember when I first learned about all this stuff, like grey literature was basically like in at university. They were like, grey literature, we're not going to tell you what it is, don't ever use it. Is that what they said? <laughs> Pretty much. I remember many, this is a little while ago when I first went to uni. They were like, yeah, we're not really going to tell you about it because we don't want you to use it. So that's why I was like. Let's compare it to this. <laughs> That's great literature, Hannah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess it wasn't something that I learned about, which is really interesting because I just didn't talk about it. It, it can be really important for yeah. things like sociology and, and like, like you know, government government documents, like nursing uses government documents because they have yeah. standards that they use in the hospitals. So, yeah, that's amazing that they said science. that. Science. <laughs> it was a science area. <laughs> A slightly controversial science area, really. Psychology. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, maybe that's probably why. But yeah. they, surely they have standards that they would want to refer to. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It was also a long time ago now. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say how long ago because it's embarrassing. There are benefits to all of them and they provide different kinds of things. For example, grey literature is really great for finding like current practical information like what are people currently talking about and being yep. excited about in the witchy community yep so if you're wanting to know about like emerging ideas then like things such as blogs and social media and podcasts and stuff that's like a really great area to look in hmm. i guess there are historical podcasts but you know yeah that's what yeah. people are currently talking about um, and obviously, and we often like when we're researching for the podcast, we're often in grey literature. Like, that's, oh yeah. that's what we're looking at. Yeah, and just because it's not peer reviewed doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it either. If you're handing that in in your uni essay, yeah, maybe not. But for what you'll be researching or looking into for your practice, yeah, of course, you're probably going to get a lot of it from your grey literature. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm. And like, and like, really, what we're doing is. It really is about, like, when I'm looking personally for stuff, mm. I tend to be looking for more, like, techniques. Yes. Like, I really only hit the secondary sources up, like the journals and things like that when I'm researching for the podcast and I want, like, a historical aspect or mm. or, or um, facts about what happened in the past. Or- yeah. So you want it to have some validity. So That's you right. go to, like, a more academic source because yeah. you want we want to tell people the truth. As much as we can, factual information. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And then, like, generally, if I want to look at stuff, it's, like, books, like, primary resources. So, like, I'm looking at books that people have written on Mm. their personal experiences. Yeah. 
yeah, so like, you know, that's kind of that. Although I don't really use primary resources for research for the podcast. No. That often. I have to say, Liz does work in a university and I do not work <laughs> in a university. So she has access to many more like academic journals than I do. So a lot of my research just isn't academic because up until I became a student at a university again, I didn't have access to it. So a lot of this stuff, like the peer review, is behind paywalls and things like that. They're really expensive. So, yeah, if you can't access it, don't feel bad because, yeah, I couldn't <laughs> before simply because it was a like it was a, a resource that you had to pay a lot of money for. Often. Yeah. There's also open resource stuff though. There's a lot of stuff you can find for free out there. Yes, and it's growing market at the moment. Oh, yeah. 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 The authors have to pay through the Wahoo to get published in these open access resources, but um, yes, anyway. <laughs> but yeah, that's a, it's a different model. So, and you can find that stuff on on uh, Google Scholar. So, if you are wanting to look and you don't want to pay, I once wrote an essay. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't admit this. this is terrible. When I was a student, cut it out later. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a student, I once wrote an essay and all the resources that I wanted to look at hit paywalls. Like this was even with the university oh, wow. resources. Like it was really early on yeah. um, in the e-resource sort of. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. the early 2000s. So I wrote an entire essay using just the abstract because they do. They cover the title, like they cover the the what they're searching, their results, and yep. usually a line to say. So I used that in my essay. Like I used a bunch of those and in my essay. It would be legitimate because you read part of that article and you could. And I got a high, no high distinction, I got a distinction. So, you know. It was legit. It was so, legit. And the other thing is, yeah, <laughs> a lot of stuff's behind paywalls if you want to read the whole thing. But if you just want to research something and get some basic facts on something, well, not basic facts, but like look at what people have done in an academic sense around maybe some reconstruction or something around that, archaeological history, that yeah. kind of area, you can look at the abstracts and, yes, it will tell you the basic overview yeah. of it. You won't get the nuances, but you'll no. at least get the general gist of what they're saying. So. Yeah, and for what you might be looking at, that might be all you need if you just want to have some, like, I won't say validity, but, like, something to back up what you're saying. Yeah. You can find it in that and you can say with certainty they wrote it in the abstract so the the beginning of the article yeah this is what they found like i can quote this this is exact this is the information yeah. and it's still it's still quite legitimate yeah liz got a hd well liz got a distinction, distinction. not a high distinction damn i was never that smart didn't get that until i did my librarianship because <sighs> i was a very much a pass average student <laughs> in my undergrad um, it's an undergrad. What else is it for? Oh, my God. I was so bad at studying. Um, so <laughs> and now look at my profession. Um, <laughs> so teaching other people to do this? Are you sure? No. <laughs> I just helped this stuff into my medical degree, so there you go. Those poor students. So <laughs> I guess one of the reasons why we probably don't use more like primary literature, like people's personal, you know, thoughts and stuff. yeah. Because it's often in books and they cost money as well. And our yeah. local state library, it doesn't have a lot of mm. choice. So we're not finding the kind of resources or can get them quick enough for us to record the episodes and yeah. do the research. So that kind of pushes that aside for us. But that is yep. such a good resource for you. Like go to your local library. Oh, I just want to go back about just a little bit to grey literature. Go for it. So one of the really big advantages of grey literature is – that you get to read a variety of opinions from different 
people in society, which mm-hmm. you wouldn't normally maybe get to read in other types of literature because we know that white authors tend to be more published than going to talk about biases soon <laughs> people of color yeah. so like that's where like gray literature is really good because we actually get to hear from the whole community yeah um, and real diverse voices of a lot of different yeah different backgrounds yeah. ethnicities countries not just the people who have enough money to study and put their stuff forward to this big long process to get it peer reviewed etc cetera, etc cetera. or someone who gets popular on social media and then writes a book <laughs> and it gets published you know like yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's not that that's a bad thing. It's just that, no. that maybe other voices don't get heard that are just as important. So, how to start your research? <laughs> You're looking at me like, yeah. I think the, the really the biggest thing to think about when you're wanting to research is to think about the purpose. Like, what are you mm. trying to do? What are you trying to say? Yeah. Oh, well, say as in write or you know, video or whatever. But, yeah, what's the message? What's the point? Yeah, what do you want to learn? (laughs) Yeah. If you're looking for I just want a new technique for meditation, you're not going to go to journals. Like that's not the place to go. You're not even going to look for yoga books particularly, even though they're related. But why why would you? It's it's not directly related. So think about what it is you're really trying to find out about Mm. and then sort of pick where you want to search. Mm. And actually do think about it. Like it, it's surprisingly important. Yeah. I know, I know sometimes I have even – I have this vague idea for a topic and I'll start researching and go nowhere yeah. because it's too vague. Yeah. It's like I want to write something about water magic. Yeah. Right? So when I did that sea magic episode, I started out with I want to do something to do with the water. Then that was it and it was too vague and I got all this stuff and I was like, no, 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 this is, this is not actually what I want to talk about. So- when I first started just with that really broad water magic, I wasn't getting what I wanted Yeah, because it was just I hadn't refined what I wanted to talk about yeah. on the podcast, so my search terms were terrible. <laughs> search terms are surprisingly important. It's like mm. when I was doing the one on space weather witchcraft, particularly auras, auras? Auroras. Oh, my God. Auroras. It was aurora and witchcraft brings up shit all. Like yeah. it's crazy. I had to actually go kind of sideways and start looking in, at solar flares. Yep, yep, yep. That and makes that sense. that led me to space weather as yes. a whole and that's what it's under. It's under space weather witchcraft. And once I started searching for that, I started getting results. And the interesting thing was you went quite narrow. yeah. And didn't get what you wanted, which yeah. does happen, and I have found that. So if it's too narrow a term, there's not going to be anything either. That's, and that's for everything. In uni, podcast research, like any any research, if it's too narrow or way too broad, yeah. you're going to get nothing or too much. Yeah. yeah. So you might have to do a bit of trial and error with your searching, Googling, yeah. with your searching and your terms and think about it and do some refining. Yeah. Yeah. Which does mean, yes, you have to think about it. And like with sea magic, if you were to look at like more historical like stuff about recorded information about sea magic, you might have gone and looked at some journal articles that that might have been on Celtic or something sort of information that had been recorded. Mm. But then there's also Google for more contemporary stuff. And what I wanted was – how to do rather than history at the time. Although now I'm much more interested in the history, but we'll go back. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but yeah, so I 
And often when I'm like researching for the podcast, I want how to do stuff because when I'm listening to the podcast, when I'm researching for the podcast, I want how to do more than history. Although often more so now when I'm listening to podcasts, I want history. I want a story. Yeah. So, you know, it changes. Yeah. But for what I wanted when I wanted to get, you know, sort of, can I say technical information, how to do stuff like different spells or how things worked, that was more grey literature area. Yeah. Which yeah. I think if you're listening to this podcast, you pro- you might be more interested in that area. But if you want history stuff, historic information or more facts and figures maybe, I suppose, Yeah, you'll go to more academic primary and secondary resources. Yeah. Very broadly. Yeah. Very broadly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I guess from there, like once you start reading, this is when you want to start evaluating stuff. And, I mean, you have to evaluate everything. Like, sure, there's like a a peer-reviewed journal article when you're reading that. You still need to evaluate it, question it and evaluate it. Oh, yeah. you need to form your own opinion and and as well as checking the quality of it. Yeah. So, um, so that goes for everything. It's not like a free pass just because it's. No way. Again, we'll talk about biases soon. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I guess like some of the things you can do, uh, to decide if something that you're reading is, is a good source. Like one of the things we see when we're researching is people are just blindly plagiarizing things everywhere. Don't do that, please. Copy and paste, no source referenced. They haven't said where they've got it. We don't know where the original idea is from. We can't trace it. It doesn't mean the information's bad, but it's really limited. And it's misrepresented. Absolutely. It's not what it is. Does that person really know what they're talking about or are they just blindly copying? Yeah. And actually if if, if I read or, or watched someone on YouTube and they or whatever it was, they had some really good information. And I have done this a few times. I've gone to a website, read some great information, gone to the next three like links on google and it's like oh wow word for word exactly the same who like who actually said this which do i trust who's just copy pasted yeah and it makes me what's the word i don't trust any of those resources then i'm like who, who said this where did it come from why are they all copying it it's good information but how do i know that it's Coming from an authoritative person. Yeah. Who the authoritative person yeah, is. Yeah, who is, like if it is if it's just Wikipedia, I want to know that it's Wikipedia. Yeah. So that I can decide if I want to use it or if I feel that it's authoritative, if that's a word. Has authority, has relevance, has edit this to make it sound better. I'm already gonna do that for myself. <laughs> Um, so it's it's like if you if you can't trace where that piece of information came from, who the first person was that said it, mm. and that includes like it could go back to like Gerald Gardner, for example. Yeah, it, you need to be able to trace it back to there if you want to know more about it. Like yeah. that's good research and that yeah. is good in- information and informing of people. Like mm. taking someone else's ideas and pretending they're your own it's, is it's basically not a good look, and people don't trust you. I would actually say it's not a good resource. Mm. I would be that blunt. If and like for us, like we might not reference in our verbal 
words when we're presenting the podcast, but we have extensive show notes. Yeah. Like when I did the one on space weather witchcraft, I had to put a blog post up because I couldn't didn't have enough words <laughs> for all my references. <laughs> okay, couldn't fit it all. Yeah. yeah. So you know, like they're the kinds of things. Like if if they don't do that, then yeah. not that I'm saying we're an amazing resource, but <laughs> you know, like you should evaluate us as well. Yeah, and I mean the other thing. If you're presenting something as a story or as fiction, slightly different. Yeah. But I'd still like to know where you got your information that's factual. Yeah. And if it is factual or if there's something really important that you want to say that you want to have, I don't know, a validity behind so you put your research notes behind, like up. Yeah. As in like where you got everything. Yeah. It doesn't have to be – I do, will say this here. You might be to have, have it down to talk about it later. Yeah. But if, you're not, if you've read some things and then you're going to talk about it or write about it, you don't have to, re, like, you don't have to reference it in the same way that it's like a uni or school essay yeah. is referenced. Yeah. We're not talking about that. It's not in-text referencing I wouldn't be doing this podcast if, if Liz was making me do that. <laughs> it would be way too much work. <laughs> <laughs> or if I was making her do it, she'd probably hit me, but that's fine. All we're talking about is saying, like, if you got something from somewhere else or something you're talking about is from somewhere else, just put the reference in. Other people will probably, I do, will probably go and look at those sources because I will say that I do, I do do that. It's like, oh, this was really interesting. I want to learn, learn more about it. Here's all the, the references. I'll go to these websites or listen to this other podcast episode or. Yeah, read the abstract of this paper that I can't actually get. Yeah, you know, it, it it gives validity to what you're saying, but yeah, you don't have to cite every single reference. No. If you do copy paste something, that's different in my opinion. I don't think it's a good idea. And if you directly quote somebody, so if you read word for word what they said, you should have a fuller reference to where it came from. So yeah, I don't know the exact web page or. Yeah. You know, some, something a bit more. I mean, if you copied and pasted something for a website for your own personal book of shadows. That's different. Um, you know, I really don't give a crap. No. <laughs> like, <yeah>. like no, <laughs> essentially no one will know. But then if you go and put your book of shadows up online somewhere. Then it's a problem. Or share it with someone. Yeah. Yeah. Then you might be wanting to. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're claiming that you wrote that or that you did that. And yeah. You just, you just didn't. You did. You copied and pasted it. Yeah. 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 And that's why these websites are problematic when they've got spells up and they're copying the exact same spell and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that everything needs a source. Like I don't think no. that like, especially if it's your own personal experience, like that of course doesn't need a source. But like, but but I do think that you have to, it has to be something that's come from, that the author has written themselves and they've clearly said, I had this experience or mm. they actually state, their purpose with what they're trying to say. Yeah. Um, and imagine yeah. if you wrote a really great spell and you put it on your blog or you read it out on a podcast yep. that you had. Yeah. And then like three days later you found it on someone else's website and they were getting <laughs> all this. Yeah, on Pinterest <laughs> or like on someone else's Facebook and, yeah. and they were getting all these hits, these likes, and it's like, well, that's that's mine. Yep. I, I spent all this time putting this together and I practiced practice i did this spell a few times and really refined it and now it's just someone else is just taking it and they have a book contract now because they're a famous insta witch or something i don't know how would you feel like that'd be terrible yeah and how would you feel supporting people that do that as well like maybe Mm. you don't care but i i do care yeah but that's 
Might be to do with my profession. Yeah. Um, this might be an episode that no one listens <laughs> Only to. librarian witches are into. They're so, probably critiquing us as we go, going, yeah. that's not quite how primary resources work. Your understanding's dumb. All other five of them <laughs> in the world. I guess that's the other thing, like the their own concepts and ideas. Is the person just regurgitating other people's works or are they coming up with their own ideas? Are they, like, looking at resources from A, B, and C, putting it together and coming up with... D. D, (laughs) yeah. Like, you know, like, so that then someone else could look at and then incorporate and build on, you know, Mm. like, that's kind of stuff. If people can't do that, I would would consider their resources maybe not being as valid Mm. or as... Or they're limited. They're limited. It's not that they're not valid. They're... They've got a limit on them and you need to recognise that so you can further research and find that information out for yourself, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. Um, Okay, so so I've written, who is the author? What do you know about them? Are they who they say they are? Oh, yeah. That one's really important. How do you figure that out? (laughs) How do you know who the author is? Um, Okay, so, yeah, who is the author? What do you know about them? Because I do spend time around the heathen community, mm-hmm. I, it is becoming more and more important to really research the authors, like actually look into them. I've I've been stung by this kind of thing. Me too. Like you read some really great stuff by someone and you're a little bit questioning a couple of sort of things they've hinted at and then you read about them more and they're a neo-Nazi. Yep. Or like a white supremacist and you go, I can't, I'm not happy or comfortable with this and I can't go any further with your information. Yeah. Yeah. It mm. doesn't matter how good it is. It's yeah. tainted by. It just, it makes me too uncomfortable knowing that something questionable could come into it because of your beliefs. You have them, neo-Nazi, white supremacist person, don't have them near me. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Because you're entitled to your opinion. That I am entitled to disagree. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mm. for sure. And I think, like, I think it's hard because some people are really good at hiding it in their mm. works and you find out later that, you know, they've made really offhand comments. How do you how do you reconcile that within yourself? I know I've had people say to me, well, you should really read their point of view so then you have an argument against their ideas. But I also don't want to financially back them. And that the other thing is if you don't care about that, if that yeah. doesn't bother you, that's also okay. Yeah. If you can separate that, you found really good information and you are okay with that, that is that is fine. And if people give you shit for it, if you're aware and you're conscious of it and you are happy with your decision, that is actually okay. But it's still good to know. If you don't know, you can't make the decision. So yeah. if you don't know, someone will say will say with white supremacists because I yeah. said it, if you don't know someone has those views and that is important to you to know that, find out. Yeah. Find out who the author is because yeah. if those kinds of things don't sit well with you and you don't know, like some people might be very upset with you. Yeah. But yeah. if you know and you make that decision, that is actually still fine yeah. because you've made the, an informed decision, which and, is basically what this whole thing is about. And you're going in and when you're reading their literature, yeah. you're questioning everything they write because you're like, oh, that seems a bit odd that they've worded it that way. I yeah. know this thing about them. I see where they're going with that, you know. So, yes, yes. 
yeah, so I think having that awareness is also really important so you can critically think about what you're what you're actually yeah. reading. And, I mean, for a lot of things it might not be an issue. It's an informed decision. Any of these things are informed decisions. But it just feels like for some things it might be less of an issue but for these kinds of things like your belief system, things you believe in, really personal things that you might do within your systems of belief, yeah, I'd take a lot of those things much more seriously than if I, you know, like we, I'm vegetarian this is vegan, I would be fine if a meat eater painted my house. Like <laughs> I work with a bunch of them. That's, that's fine. You know, I just, it's a different set of ethics and beliefs. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But if I might even think about that kind of thing with someone whose beliefs I'm like yeah. talking to, like if someone doesn't really value nature and animals, like if I know Someone was happy using the Pope. We won't talk about the Pope. <laughs> Does the Pope shit in the woods? <laughs> Maybe take that out. Um, it's, hey, weird, it's a weird reference and I can't remember where it comes from. <laughs> uh, someone said it in RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> I think I've heard it before I watched it. But anyway, um, you know, if I was going to be in circle with someone who – was happy using animal blood, I'd probably be not happy with that if I didn't know beforehand. Yeah. Because it's such a different space. I get it. Yeah. No, I get so it. that's why, like, finding out what these people are like and what they believe is actually really important for this. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, like, if you're getting someone to paint your house, it's it's not as important. I guess, like, just to... Depending. It might be. <laughs> harp on to that a little bit more. Yeah. One of the things that I... Like, going back to the vegetarian and, mm. and a vegan example, so my husband's vegetarian, I'm vegan, and... Uh, but sometimes people feel they can bring meat into our house and I hate that so much. And I get it. Meat's your personal choice, mm. but you're bringing it into a, a, essentially at base a vegetarian household yeah. and I, I have issues with that. So, like. At least ask. Yeah. Like if they know you well enough to come to your house, maybe if they didn't know you very well, I don't know. Yeah. Ask. Yeah. At least ask. Yeah. Just one, in case. One like thing it's, of all going out and getting takeaway and coming back, but like when you bring a whole roast chicken into my house, that happened. Oh wow. I I did not appreciate it. So, you know. So anyway, that's yeah. just me. And I mean other thing, yeah, just just ask. Other people really don't care. <laughs> yeah, other people really don't. So Yeah. 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 And that's it's sort of part of the point. Like you might not care what an author thinks or yeah. believes. If, and you might happily just use their information and you can decide to do that. I would want to be informed. Yeah. But some people might not even want to. Yeah. We say it's a good idea, but think critically about what we're saying too. What, <laughs> what do you think about credentials? Do you think it's important or not important or associations in that way? <sighs> credentials as in if someone's been a witch for an amount of time or yeah well it is it how important is it for you like if someone's like oh i'm a high priestess gardnerian blah versus say um um i'm an academic i don't know that's not a really good example what i'm trying to say i'm trying to say i've been an eclectic witch for 
you know, two months. Yeah. Or like even. Or not even time. Yeah. Like just kind of like, is it even important? Is when you're wanting to learn things, is having credentials important in any way? Personally, because it's important in academia, but yeah, witchcraft, I'm not so sure. The thing that I feel, it's a really interesting question because I've read stuff by people, <laughs> just, you know, blogs, watch their videos, maybe not watch their videos when you hear what I'm going to say, but like <laughs> or listen to their podcasts yeah. and, you know, read, you know, what their blog. Yeah. And I found some of it really, really good, really interesting. There are a few odd bits and pieces that I, like, didn't understand and then I read that they've been practising for six months. Yeah, okay. So because I've been not fully but practising on and off for quite a number of years and I've, grown, like, grown up myself. Yeah, since like you're grown a and changed yeah. in a way, like, within this sort of belief, set of beliefs, I suppose. Yeah. And sometimes I then know, oh, you're at this point in your path on on your path in the craft or what, however you would like to say that, but on your spiritual path, I suppose. And then it's not that I don't think that's valid because they're where they are and that's really important and they're sharing it and there will be heaps of other people at that point. And they might have different perspectives, but that's not what we're saying. Yeah. So it changes how I view or think about what they're saying. Okay. Yep. I – don't think it makes it irrelevant, but for me sometimes I go, oh, okay, so that's why you're saying these things and I'm sort of – it puts context and sometimes I don't look at what they're saying as much because I know that I've sort of been there. Yeah. But also if they're six months down the track and they're some like on a path that I have never even looked at before, yeah, highly, highly relevant and doesn't matter. Yeah, because they've got six months more experience than, than me. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. I've just discovered that people practice this kind of witchcraft. Wow. Yeah. Five minutes ago is my experience of this. Yeah. Tell me more about it. Yeah. Whereas this other kind of magic or craft or whatever, you know, I've been doing on and off for ages. So six months is not going to teach me anything essentially because usually yeah. I look at this stuff either if I want to read about other people's experiences yeah, or which means everything is good. Yeah. Or horrifying, depending on what it is. Yeah. But if I'm looking to learn something or relate to someone, someone with less experience possibly, yeah. then or I'm grappling with something that I haven't experienced before within something I've been doing for a long time, yeah. the six-month person may not have anything to add. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. And it's never a hard and fast rule. Yeah. So I suppose to answer your question, Credentials have a place and they make me think about things differently. Yeah. But it's never, oh, they've been practicing for six months, don't care. Yeah. Or, oh, wow, they're a high priestess sometimes after six months, trust me. Yeah. But they're a high priestess and they've been practicing for 25 years. Yeah. I believe every single thing they say. Yeah. I'm sort of at a point where none of 
those are true. Yeah. So the credentials in a way don't matter. Yeah. But yeah, I also like people to put forward sort of at the beginning like, oh, I've just discovered plant magic. I've never worked with plants before. These are my discoveries. Yeah. Yeah. To begin with, does that make sense? Yeah, it's like a it's like a um an honesty for the author's purpose for what they're yeah. saying. Because like there are so many people that just make grand statements or get information incorrect. Like mm-hmm. again, like with his the history of the witch trials, like there's lots of oh, big yeah. grand statements about how many people died and you know, just literature wise, mm. the evidence isn't there for it. So, you know, like it's those kinds of things or like, you know, how old and traditional their practice is and sometimes I really don't like when people emphasize that. Me either. I actually it can be irrelevant. I'm incredibly judgmental when people do that. And like that's that's my Opinion. my own thing. Yeah, like it's fine. Yeah yeah. 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 And you know, and just because someone has credentials doesn't mean they're a good teacher or oh, that no. they're good at sharing information or that they're good at learning, you know. <laughs> I, I work at Liz works with like lecturers. I work with teachers. Some teachers who have been teaching a really long time are really bad at it. And some teachers who've been teaching for like six months are fan freaking tastic. Yeah. And in a way, it's more about connection. So if you connect yeah. with, well, for face to face teachers, the people you are teaching, that can help. That can almost get you over almost any problem as long as you connect to those people. And it's a sort of the same with more personal witchcraft resources. Is that where I'm going? Yes. If you can connect with your way back to the if you can connect with your audience. So if you're you're researching and you're asking a question and then you're putting something out there and it connects with people. And if you read something that's my kitty meowing. <laughs> she doesn't want to kill me anymore. Um if you read something and it really connects with you and you feel something that's a Good sign to look at it more. There are really amazing authors that people rave about and I can't stand their writing style. <laughs> like I literally yeah. cannot stand their writing style. So I'm yeah. not going to connect with what they have to say. And that's okay. That doesn't mean that their stuff's bad. It just no. means that it's not a preference. So, you know. Yeah. I think for me though, in some ways, like I'm kind of curious more with how they're connecting with the community as a whole. Mm, Do you mm, know what mm. I mean? Like have they been involved with like some local community or like even larger than local state organisation, country organisation? Mm. Like, you know, have they been involved with the Australian Wiccans Conference, for example? Yeah. Or have they presented there? I'm probably more likely to value what they have to say because I feel like in some ways the community has peer-reviewed their oh, teachings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So That's a good way to look at it too. Yeah, but like that doesn't mean that someone who hasn't done that isn't good. No. It's just that like I see that as a already a peer review within the community. So Yeah, I mean I would I would look at it the same way too, although much the same as you too. I've read things that this person's spoken at a million things, they've written a 16 billion books. Yeah. I hate what they have to say. <laughs> I hate how they put stuff. It doesn't resonate. Yeah. It doesn't make it bad. And that's also why, like, with this, you can go and do all the the proper vetting is what we say, the vetting of a resource. So it could be someone really highly respected in the community. They have great stuff to say according to everybody else. And if it doesn't sit well with you, that's okay. Ask yourself why, though. Like, what is it? 
critically think about it. Like, yeah, like I'm reading a book at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say who because it's a very, very big name. Mm-hmm. Tell and, me later. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, um, everybody else, but I get to know. And uh, the introduction actually nearly put me off the whole book because it was irrelevant to the rest of the to to Yucky. what I thought it was going to be about. So okay. that could have been preconception. It's not, but it could oh, damn. <laughs> oh well. But like when you're when you're reading that and you're like, oh, this isn't this isn't what I was looking for. Why yeah. is that? Why is it not resonating? Like one thing was that there was a grand sweeping statement about the traditional witchcraft, and I was like, okay, it's not really that old, you know, but it doesn't mean that the other information in there is incorrect because they're not a historian. Like that's the the stuff that I'm interested in is what they're writing contemporarily about. So so being able to identify those things are important. Yes, um, very. And there's a really uh, – so I've read – I just read Thorne Mooney's latest book. This oh, is not the book like? I'm talking about. It's actually really quite good. Because I was going to get it. Yeah, I'd recommend it. Like, I don't agree with everything in there, of course, because because people don't, don't agree with everything to. that people have to say because yeah. people have opinions. Yeah, but I thought it was a, I thought it was really well put together for like really questioning and opening yourself up. Oh, and, nice. Yeah, cool. Uh, one of the things that she talks about, I'm assuming her pronouns are she. Yes, I think I have read that she's she. Okay. So excuse she, us if you're not. Yeah, Thorny. apologies if you ever listen to us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I highly doubt. You never know. <laughs> we'll get letters 10 years. <laughs> Why were you calling me that? <laughs> so, and she talks about like how to critically think. So she's like saying, if you're reading something in a book and you have a voice in your head that says, oh, I don't agree with that, write that down. That's yeah. you critically thinking about yeah. what you're reading and engaging yeah. with. Yeah. So go read that chapter in that book. It's, I can't think of the title of the book. I'll put it in the show notes. No, I, I can't think what it is. Which is path, which is journey. Yeah, it's something like that. Uh, it's the so second one, isn't it? It is it's the second, second book. One. Yeah. Yeah. Came out last year. I haven't read the first one. So. <laughs> Me neither. But yeah, so it's it like she has a really good section on critically thinking, and I do recommend going and, and oh, reading nice. it. Yeah, so cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the next thing is what are they trying to what are they trying to do? Are they trying to sell you something? Like what's the author's purpose? Mm. Like there's nothing worse than going to something, to a website, and it's all just about sales, you know, like they're trying to sell. It feels really in- inauthentic, like fake, and it's horrible. I mean, it probably means it's a bit biased as well yes. to try and get the sale or mm. like are they trying to to – put across their point of view and no other Mm. yeah what's the purpose are they really trying to inform you Mm. or is it about like self-importance is it about you know making them making themselves look good yeah showing Mm. what they know to put themselves on a pedestal versus Mm. trying to inform i guess is and i think it's really cliche but for this kind of thing like again your belief system or you know how you view the world inauthentic stuff is just gonna be awful like you're not gonna no one wants that and whereas you know if you're buying a pair of socks it's a little bit different you're gonna go and you're gonna expect sale sales pictures yeah either of if you know if you're going to buy buy something like if even if it is sort of witch related but if you're going to buy a pair of socks you expect some sales pictures yeah but if you're researching or look even just looking into briefly um see magic we'll go with that yeah you don't want someone to be endlessly talking about their book on sea magic. Oh my God. 
you you want some information about the thing that you're looking into. Yep, for sure. Yes, if you read it and it seems good, you might buy the book, but I probably wouldn't. If that's if they say it's a website about sea magic, but then it's just selling a book. Yeah, it's not authentic, and it's also not real. They said that this was about the topic, not selling a book. Yeah. So that's actually the thing I had a problem with that book that I vaguely we're talking mentioned. about. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the intro was irrelevant. It was about their own personal gnosis about the world and how it looks, and not actually about the topic of the book. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I mean. The other thing is, yeah, later on that may have had some relevance, but because you were put off by that, you probably weren't going to read the rest of it anyway. Yeah. So, well, I am, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm still reading. Never mind. It's getting better. It's just that it was like it, a good editor would have fixed that. Yeah. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of self published stuff out there, but it can be hard to get through as well. Yeah. Um, and it may be it may be great stuff, which could have done with a good editor, but the person couldn't afford it. Yeah. So you've got to think about that as well. Like, yeah. are you willing to, unfortunately, troll through this book that's about something real specific that you think will be great? This episode. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Probably yes. <laughs> um, I think one thing. One thing that I noticed, so I don't know if you've ever read Raymond Buckland's old stuff. There's a book that he no wrote comment. in the 70s. <laughs> Which one that he wrote in the 70s? He wrote uh, a book. I think it's just called Witchcraft and it had like a white cover and like a pink and blue. I think I have read extracts of that. Yeah. Okay, change. Suffered through extracts of that. Yeah, not not on the top of my reading list. But anyway, just saying. And he's this really well-respected, I think he may have passed away, sorry if he hasn't, really well-respected author. Yeah. Some of his stuff I didn't like. Well, in this book he pretty much said things along the lines of uh, no witch is a real witch unless they're in a coven that is. Oh, know, he was that. Yes, yes, yeah. that's what I read and. And then, of course, we've got later on Buckland's Blue. So, obviously, he changed his opinion between True. the 70s to, what, the 80s, 90s? I don't know when that was. Oh, I think it may be 90s. So, you know, like. Feel free to correct us, please. Like, it's worth noting whether someone changes their mind. Like, if they can. That's pretty good. Like, that's a very good indication of yeah. what they like as a person. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. No, 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 that's, that's, that's pretty much what I was going to say. Yeah. Like if they have the ability to critically think, then oh, maybe yeah. you can trust that the information that they have may be better. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, someone can have a really biased kind of opinion to begin with, but if they change it, especially like in – that's my cat meowing, sorry. It's also a reflection of the time. Like yeah. in the 70s, that probably was what was thought yeah. about being a witch. Probably not by everybody. Yeah. But the people he interacted with, that seemed to be the consensus. And there was, I won't say. Hey, beautiful. Oh, yes. I love you. What? Come over here to hand. And, yeah, as the times went on, yeah, he he kept going. He, he I won't say improved because that's mean. 
He changed. He changed his opinion. He had the ability to change. I mean, he might have written it for sales, but I, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? I don't know his, his purpose. But, you know, like they're the kinds of things to to look into. Yeah. Because I haven't actually done Buckland's Blue. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I started it a few times, but um, by the time I thought I could actually do it, it was not teaching me anything. <laughs> it just didn't resonate for me. I just no. didn't like the way it was set up. Uh, okay, does the author leave information out? So are they – I mean, it doesn't mean that it's bad. It just means that, like, that they just haven't included everything. Maybe they haven't well-researched. And it just means it's your job to go and find out more. Mm. Like, you just don't take what someone says. And I know that's hard if it's the first time you're reading about a topic. Yes, yeah. that can be really difficult for you to know. Yeah. But, um, it, again, it's kind of like – you know, changing your opinion as you learn more stuff. So if you read something right at the beginning and it was put forward as inverted commas gospel, so yeah. you had to do it this way or you had to think this and then you learn later on, oh, well, no, that's just not right. Yeah. Then you question what you read at the beginning, I suppose, or looked at at the beginning. Yeah. And you might question reading something more from that author. Yeah. Or blogger or whatever yeah. it could be. Yeah. Podcast people. Yeah. You're still listening to us. Good um, on you. Thank you. We love you. <laughs> if, you're, if you're here, we know you're a nerd like us. Okay. So, yeah. So, it's really – it's just a limitation to the source. It's, it doesn't mean that it's bad. Um, no. But if there's, like, really giant gaping holes everywhere, I would consider that not a good source. And the other thing is – and this goes for almost everything, maybe except, like, real basic scientific facts one would hope – if they give real absolutes, like you must always use this ingredient in this type of spell, yeah, probably just diss that straight away, yeah, because it almost never, almost never, that's bad. Always probably never. <laughs> does not work that way in most cases, with given exception of like facts and figures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And I think the other thing is like if the author is slagging off. <laughs> Someone else. Or the content else. creator. Yeah, it's it's probably not a good sign. Except Buckland. Yeah. Sorry, Buckland. <laughs> I mean. It, it's an opinion. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, it's it's like there's critically, there's constructive criticism mm. and then there's just slagging someone off and being like, yo, Hannah's a bitch, you know. Like, like if we had have said Buckland's a complete idiot. Yeah. No. In fact, I think we said the opposite. We said yeah. he changed his opinion and exactly. we liked that. <laughs> we didn't we may not have liked earlier books. <laughs> yeah. And but he had the maturity to change his opinion when he learned different things. Yeah. Which is actually great. Yeah. And it means he's not at all an idiot, as you say. Yeah. But if we just said I, <laughs> I think some he's an idiot for that opinion, though that's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> huh. We I read some of Buckland's early books and they were bad, so he's obviously stupid. Yeah, and then, we just uh, yeah, slag off what he does yeah. in his personal life and stuff. Then, yeah, you know, it's like, like it's unrelated and also I would not- say it's a bad source. Yeah. 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 I would say it's a very biased source mm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I did find something that I thought was really funny on I think it was inkspire.org um, and they said – In unreliable resources, bias and offensive language can be seen because they are usually not written for the purpose to inform. And I thought, wow, we use a lot of bad language in this podcast. Oh, dear. (laughs) 
Usually. And everybody stops <laughs> listening now because they've learned that we're a bad source. <laughs> I just wrote, so yeah, I swear I fucked on. <laughs> Some probs unreliable. <laughs> but like, I don't think we're, we try not to be biased. Like, we're obviously yeah. biased because we have opinions. So we have. Well, we're biased because we have a worldview. And people are biased. Like, yeah. generally, people are biased. But yes. I mean, there's biased and then there's. There's biases and then there's being biased, like yep. different different things. So. Mm. Okay. That was really confusing just by the way as well. I knew what you meant, but it's – I'll take it out. <laughs> if you don't know, that could be like – Yeah. Over the head. Yeah, there's a lot – I had to think about it myself because I haven't heard those terms in quite some time. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's just like we all have unconscious or subconscious biases that mm. we don't even know, like that, yep. that happen on a, you know – on a flip through while you're doing things like you might glance at someone and instantly not like them or um you know like their their subconscious yeah bias you don't think about it you don't think i don't like you because you've got red hair and someone i knew as a kid punched me and they had red hair yeah you won't even think that you just be like oh i don't feel comfortable with you but it's this thing that happened years ago it's really interesting because I did this like a, a unconscious bias workshop and um, we had to do these tests where they like gave us like panels and we had to quickly, like we didn't have time to really think it was like you had a second to pick something. I found out that I have an unconscious bias for women in the workplace. I think of women in the workplace and not at home. So that's really interesting. Yeah. So like, and I, and it's, Kind of surprised me because my mum was a stay-at-home mum. Like, you work in an industry that's almost completely female though. Yeah. So like, you know, <laughs> so I've developed this bias about like I, that's my thing is I think women work, you know. Yeah. Like, I mean, being a stay-at-home parent is a lot of work. So, <laughs> But you know what I mean. Like, there's Paid that, external to the homework. Yeah. Yeah. I also, <laughs> I don't know if I should say this one, I had an unconscious bias in favour of of Asian people, so I actually prefer Asian people. That's also really interesting and I know why that is and you can cut all of that out if you want. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, it's a bias that I have that yeah. I don't even know. And, you know, I know it's because I lived in Japan and I had a great time and, you know. You grew up with anime as a main interest, <laughs> possibly. And Japanese culture and, you yeah. know, like I was obsessed with Japan growing up. Yeah. So, but I didn't know that I had that as a as a – unconscious bias you know well the other thing is until you you said it just then I was like man I probably have that too yeah because of my interests yeah are just based around Japanese culture yeah and the thing is we all have them yeah we can pretend we don't have them but we have them the thing I think with it is if you are aware of your own yeah it's very empowering and liberating because you can go oh well I have this preference for something Mm. is that influencing my decision like you see you go through all these books and you see a book by an author that has a slightly Japanese sounding name oh yeah I trust that over anything apparently yeah (laughs) (laughs) well like you just automatically pick that up and then you're doing this stuff and it doesn't feel right for you and you're you think oh you know what's it's it's me yeah when it could just be you picked up this book because of an unconscious bias yeah and the book wasn't actually didn't have information that actually resonated with you, but you per- pursued, like yeah. persevered, yeah. pursued, ha <laughs> ha, persevered, and it's not fitting. But because of your bias, you kept going. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. So there's a difference. So what I'm trying to say is there's a difference between unconscious bias that yep. is in a book versus like 
biased. Like blatant. Blatant bias. I'm not going to tell you about that because I don't like people with that skin colour. Yeah. Or, you know, that's stupid because I don't, a woman wrote it. Yeah. Or something like that where you yeah. know that it's not a good, oh, I don't want to say not a good opinion, but you have a bias that is, I don't know, blunt, blatant. Yeah. Rather than... I mean, your purpose is probably not honest in yes. your writing versus yeah. an accidental, an unconscious bias. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Although some people up. can have unconscious biases that seem really blatant to other people. Yeah. A man who has a terrible bias against women, some of them really don't know, but it's really obvious. Like yeah. They just think it's normal to think women are stupid. Yeah. They really don't know. It's particularly science fields. Yeah. And lawyers. Yeah. Twitter, mansplaining. That's why mansplaining exists. <laughs> yeah. But it's often unconscious. They, yeah. It's not an excuse. No. And it's it's a reason for it, but it doesn't mean it's right. No. So that's why it's also really important to know your own biases so you don't come across looking like an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Self-preservation, people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So also, yeah, look at your author's biases. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. All that to say that. Oh. Um. <laughs> you still can. I give you permission to repeat it. <laughs> um, okay. So I think one thing that's a massive red flag, if you um, are reading something and there's no author attributed, like there's no author written down there, be it a corporate author, like a business, or so like maybe like Pagan Alliance of Tasmania, mm-hmm. uh, then that is a worry that's mm tells me that the person's trying to hide and mm-hmm. maybe I would be concerned that if they don't want to put their name to it, then it's not a good resource. I mean, people might be hiding in witchcraft, but they'd put like a pseudonym. Yeah, they yeah. usually put something. But if there's nothing, yeah, ask yourself. The other, the other thing with that is, and this is, mm, the other thing with that is if they put forward something possibly controversial. Yeah. But I don't know, say, I don't know, this might be controversial. Say they were a protester. Yeah. And they went into a factory farm and let out a bunch of animals. Yeah. But they don't say who they are. Legal, legal, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, that not would- Not even just legal but, like, something that some people might get very angry about. Yeah. You might agree with them, yeah. like factory farming, yuck. Yeah. But they broke a bunch of laws. Yeah. Um, they maybe something more pagany. They went into a field, field, a paddock that was private property and danced around naked with, in a ritual. Hell yeah. They technically may have broken laws. They also may have gotten into trouble for it. They were nudy out in the, rudy in the world. They may not want to put their name down to stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, there's a purpose for why they haven't done that. Yeah. So. It's never – I'm just saying not hard and fast rule. So yeah. if you can see a reason why this person legitimately might not want to say who they are, it could still be a good resource for an experience. Yeah. Outside of that kind of thing, you should put your names to stuff. Yeah. And you should look for who they are. And yeah. I still think even in like, you know, trespassing naked ritual example, they might still have a pseudonym. Um, and if you're putting that kind of stuff on the webs on a website, you're probably going to get traced anyway. Yeah. So, in a few 
narrow examples. They may not want to put their name to stuff. Yeah. And you can understand why. Yeah. At least they'll they'll put something. Like, <sighs> they'll if put there's something. nothing there. If they haven't said anon or 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 they're just talking about something yeah. seemingly quite benign. Yeah. And they're still not Excellent. So we've got really cut off. Okay, so um, I think another thing is can you actually reach out to the person and have a conversation with them? I mean, they may yeah. not respond, but do they have contact details listed on their website? Can you email them? Can you fill in a web form? Can you, you know, that kind of thing. And it doesn't mean that you are wanting to do that. It just means that they're approachable, they're contactable, which means they're probably makes what they're saying more valid because they're happy for you to contact them about it. Yep, for sure. I think so too. Okay, so we've done motive. (laughs) With academic papers or academic sources, you can often tell whether they're good by the publisher, like if it's Routledge or Sage or someone like that, Oxford, Mm. you can kind of trust that the resource is going to be a good resource. Yeah, it's a bit harder with non-academic I suppose yeah. I mean a lot of stuff that we get here in Australia might be the same elsewhere but maybe not but we have um Llewellyn and they do publish a real lot Rockpool yeah but there's yeah. just there's sort of a few sort of new agey for want of a better term publishers yeah that doesn't necessarily mean everything they publish is valid for what you want like yeah but if you know it's from one of those publishers, you, you're thinking it's probably le- more leaning towards the topic that we're talking about really. So more witchy or, you know, they'll publish more tarot books so they might have more of what you're wanting, like have that kind of opinion in them. doesn't mean it'll be something you agree with, whereas, you know, if you're buying a book on wellness by a wellness book by Penguin, it might not have much magic-y kind of stuff in it, new agey stuff. Whereas if you bought a Llewellyn book on wellness, it'll probably go more into into that information. So maybe not validity for a non-academic publisher, but you can understand more what you are getting from them. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. I think like to a degree. If you were looking for a really like sort of historical, really highly referenced book about mm. the burning times. Yeah. I probably wouldn't look at Llewellyn. I'd probably exactly. look at someone else. So, you yeah. know, like you, you got to know the purpose of what you're trying yeah. to find and consider that. Yeah. So, whereas yeah. if you want to find, I don't know, meditation techniques, you might not go, you might go to Llewellyn. You might not go to an academic publisher. So it depends on what you want. Again, yeah. like think about what you are looking for. So, yeah, factual information about the burning times, you're not going to get from a Llewellyn book per se. I guess like one of the things that Thor Mooney said in her book as well was that, you know, a lot of times people talk about how there are a lot of books out there and it's just a rehashing of, you know, every other Witchcraft 101 book in it. The exercises will probably be different, but people don't do the exercises. Yeah. And then they're like bitching yeah. about how these books are no different and they haven't even tried. They haven't actually put any of it to practice. Yeah. And I thought that was a really interesting point. I know I'm mm. guilty of that. For sure. Same. So, and I thought, yeah, you know, how many books have I bought? And I'm like, oh, just got another visualisation exercise. I'm just going to skip it. (laughs) You know, but if I actually did it in their technique. You might get something amazing. You might or might just get really different results. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. you may have done 20 different visualisations at sort of this beginner level, but who knows what you'll get. And you can't judge it unless you've 
it's not fair to judge something without all of the information or without trying the full experience, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, if you're going through and do, you know, half a dozen of the visualisations that are suggested, you're not really getting anything or it's really still not gelling for you or resonating or whatever, Yeah. then maybe go, okay, this is not for me. Yeah. But if you just read the the exercise and go, and it's just the first one, maybe give it more of a go. Yeah. If you can, if you have the time, whatever. Yeah, that's her suggestion. Mm. I mean, I think it's a good one. It's one I hadn't thought about in that way before. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very valid. It's a it's a very interesting point. Yeah. yeah. Should I really give it a chance? Yeah. One thing that comes up a lot is armchair witches, people who read and don't actually practice I really don't give a shit if you're an armchair witch. If you want to be an armchair witch, you be an armchair witch. Mm. Like, it's none of my business. Yeah. I mean, technically for a while now I'll be an armchair witch because (laughs) of um, full-time work and half-time study. So I won't get to do as much as I have in the past. You'll have to do, like, remembrance charms or something, like, before you start studying. Oh, my God. (laughs) But I also think, like, it's been ages since I've done a spell. Yeah. But... A lot of my life is built around what one might call witchy living. Yeah. So, yeah, I might not cast, I haven't cast a spell in a really long time, but I also have gone out and spent hours talking to the birds that live in my yard. The neighbours look at me weird, but they rev their car every night for 20 minutes. So, you know, I look at them weird. It's fine. I was going to say, <laughs> they're looking at you weird anyway. <laughs> Yeah, it could be because I listen to conspiracy theory podcasts really loudly in my backyard. Who knows? But my point is you also can't, unless the person states explicitly, I've read a bunch of books on witchcraft and have never done anything, can you know what they do? Exactly. Yeah. Good point. That's a very good point. Yeah. I mean, I also have really vivid dreams every night that, like, little green men are climbing into my room. So, you know. I count that as a weird witchy experience. Is it? Who knows? Am I getting abducted by aliens? Who knows? (laughs) But my point is, yeah, like definitely judge someone. Definitely think critically about what they're saying they do or if they're giving you supposedly factual information or experiences that they have had. But think about it. So if, if you think they haven't had enough experience to speak on this, in that way, that's a valid opinion for you and you don't have to engage with their material. I think people really get upset because they feel like they're getting schooled by people who haven't practised, so they, don't, they haven't fair, tried. Which is a fair assessment, definitely. Yeah. But, like, if that's what you personally do, I, I really I don't care. Yeah. What you get out of witchcraft is your choice. Yeah. And if, if someone... Uh, quote-unquote armchair witch put forward (laughs) something that was really great that I used all the time that they just talked about and never actually used but I found it really important or useful (laughs) do you agree do you then do you do you care yeah exactly I don't know but yeah if they're if they're saying this this is the experiences you'll have and they've never actually done them then yeah be 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 critical definitely be be aware that maybe that's not the source that you want to be reading yeah 
I think I just want to quickly run through like a kind of like a test that okay. uh, it's used more for academic sources and web sources as well, but yep. may not apply so much for witchcraft because it probably doesn't always date. But okay, so it's called the crap test. See, uh-huh. I know. <laughs> Is it crap? So C-R-A-A-P, crap. I was taught this really recently because I'm doing a first-year uni subject and we only had one A. Oh, really? They cut out an A. Which one, authority or accuracy? (laughs) (laughs) Or do they amalgamate them? I think authority was put in with something else. Uh, That makes sense. I think. I think that's how they They did it. They wanted to spell it properly. Yeah. (laughs) Still. It's still relevant. It's still relevant. And this is only one of many tests that are out there. Yeah. All right. So currency is C, and that is for, like, the timeliness of the information. So when was the information published or posted? That could Mm. be important. Yeah, especially looking at historical information. And if you're wanting – I suppose, yeah, that that one might be particularly – academic related and not as related to witchcraft because you can look at stuff that someone posted 10 years ago or or a book from 10 years ago and it would still be relevant but if you're looking for how many people are witches now you don't want stats from five years ago no so yeah when you're looking at older materials in particular Mm. how closely related was the person to the event that's talking about it that's true yeah so like for example um with the prose edda and and Snorri, like, he was born in 1179 and died in 1241 AD. I do not remember dates. I actually researched this as an example because that's the kind of librarian I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so mm. so he wrote, he, like, is believed, they don't even know for sure he was the person who did it, but they believe that he was the person that compiled the prose editors and mm. recorded myths about yep. Norse mythology and Icelandic mythology, like Scandinavian mythology. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that he did that in 1225 AD. Okay. Some Mm. of the poems that they know that are in that book are from before 900 AD and the Viking Age before, like, Christianity took over, uh, like, Christianity sort of happened around the 1100s or Mm -hmm. the – well, 1000 AD was the real thing in Iceland, so the conversion. So, like – when he started recording this, he was the society had already been converted to Christianity. So, is there a bias there? Mm-hmm. We're not going to know, but no. is there a bias there? These are things you're going to think about. Were stories passed on correct? Like, there's 300 years between those early poems to now. So, have they changed over time? Again, probably with a Christian bias. It's like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. What do we know about 300 years ago? Exactly. If it wasn't written down, the first. I'm remembering this off the top of my head and um, apologies if this is a little triggering. It's Christianity. I think the first book of the Bible was written, the New Testament, so the Gospels. I think that was written 35 years after Christ. Uh-huh, that makes Supposedly. Sense. Yeah. But then I think the last one that was written, which may be John but I can't remember, was, which this is why I triggered it, about 300 years later. Yeah. And these are supposedly accounts like he. Jesus's words. Yeah. But there's huge gaps of time before some of them were written. Yeah. So this is a book of belief as well. So people believe this is factual information. The poems as well, some people follow that and go, this is really important to me, this is very 
a very important text for my belief system. But if it's written a few hundred years after, what influences have come in? Yeah. So even with the Bible that what I'm remembering that they know as a fact around it. Yeah. There's so much time. There is. Yeah. There's so much time. So what what does that mean? How does that change it? And we don't know. And we don't know. Because there's no other sources to compare it to to know. So, Mm. you know, so when you're – if someone's like, you know, living and dying by the editors. Yeah. And performing, doing certain things that may be questionable because it's in there. Claiming that it's 100% this is the way because it was written in here. Yeah, they wrote this at the time. Yeah. This this, is the currency that we're talking about. Yeah. 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 So, like, you know, 300-year gap. Yeah, that's probably not really that current. Mm. Another thing with currency that's sort of related but not, and it might come into the others, is these things were written at a time. Say someone was writing something about witches in the 70s. Yeah. And it could be quite an authoritative book, but it's saying women aren't good witches for some reason. Yeah. It was also written in the 70s and there were certain biases then. That's right. it could be this real authoritative text written at the right, you know, written about a thing that happened then or with some currency. But now if it's older and social norms and attitudes have changed, if it says like, oh, women have to be subordinate and you're a female, yeah, yeah, that could be the, this really authoritative text and yeah. it's like current at that time. Yeah. But they had that bias. Yeah. So take that into account as well, like yeah. that kind of – aspect of currency too yeah and i mean mm. like that there's the thought of that with the editors because christianity in the past has not thought women are very important mm. and so there's not a lot of goddesses written about yeah. in the editors so uh so you know they're the kinds of things like yeah again there's, yeah. there's that gender bias yeah so yeah yeah, so do do think about those things. Yeah, with, with the currency as well, like as an aspect of that. I hadn't thought about that till just then you were talking. It's a mm. perfect example, mm. and certainly around race as well. One of the things that, uh, which library is this? Benedictine, that's funny, university. <laughs> they, <laughs> I stole their crap test. No, I'm referencing it. So they... Because we're going to tell you where to look at it after. <laughs> in the notes. Yes, that's all right. <laughs> they also said that, like, other links functional? Like, if you go to a website and a whole bunch of the links are broken, maybe that's maybe not going to be your primary source of information. Yeah. You know, just, just think about things like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, relevance. So the importance of the information for your needs. So we've we've talked about that quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. But essentially, you know, it's like, is it the right level for what you're wanting? Is it the intended audience for the kind of information you're looking at, that kind of thing? Authority. So we've also talked about that, like how do you tell how good an author is? Accuracy. Now that one's going to be harder to do in witchcraft. It's actually quite difficult really. Yeah. Yeah. How do you know? Like historical stuff, sure. Yeah. You can. can, Again, the facts and figures stuff. Yeah. You can actually check that. But yeah. how do you check people's personal? I have something. I was going to talk about this before, and I haven't actually brought it up yet. But if accuracy is really hard, okay, yep. for for this kind of stuff, academic texts, we we know. Put them aside. Yep. For accuracy, I would say, sort of as an aside, but not really. If if you're reading something, okay, you're reading something maybe historic yeah because it's it's there's usually this isn't a hard and fast rule now in my mind but say you're reading one of the older texts really authoritative 
comes from, I think this was in um, the Farrers. Yeah, Janet Stewart. Yep. So they, they talk about going sky clad. Oh, so yes. Nudie nude. Oh, I love their nudie nudes. Love their nudie nudes. And they have the fivefold kiss, which involves close to genital contact. Yeah. In the nudie nude. That's what was accepted in that kind of Gardenian, Alexandrian tradition. Yeah. It's fine. Never fucking doing that. (laughs) (laughs) And this is where I was going. If you read that and you go, because they put it forward as this is what you do, this is how you do it. This is the way it has to be. Yeah. Yeah. If you read that and go, oh, God, you don't have to do it. It was the way it was done by them at that time. Yeah. So that for me would be sort of like an accuracy thing. How do you feel about this information? If it rings alarm bells for you, in that, you know, you feel, you would feel unsafe doing this and they're saying you have to do it this way. Don't. don't. Run. <laughs> yeah. Or don't. <sighs> I mean, do that in person if they're assisting in person, but oh, not yeah. in a book. Yeah, yeah. Not in literary But resource. if you're reading this book and you're like, oh, that doesn't feel good for me, it's not quite the same as accuracy for the academic text. Yeah. But take that into account. Take into account how you feel about what you're reading. Yeah. Because this is about how you feel. It's about your beliefs. It's about very personal things. So if they're saying you have to go skyclad and you do not want to, then do not do it. So many things we do are based on intuition. Like that's yeah. where a lot of our personal gnosis sort of comes from. Yeah, totally. So like just because someone else feels that it should be a different way, like mm. you're saying, yeah, doesn't mean that you have to do it too because no. it's all on your intuition. And the other thing is, I mean, it's even more important if you're going into a group, but I think it's been talked about a fair bit. Yeah, We've talked about it. But if you're reading about it and it makes you uncomfortable, for you that's inaccurate, I suppose. There are books out there that are older that only recognise two genders, yeah, male and female, and everything's about, again, Polarity priest or priestess and, and, and yeah. feminine and masculine and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And that's really triggering for some people. That oh, is yeah. not a source for you. If no. that triggers you, do just that's just that. Put it aside. Leave it alone. It's not. It's not for you. It's not accurate for you. So that that's a. It's not quite what that means in no. your crap test. No, <laughs> no, no. But it's something I did want to talk about. Yeah, and, and hadn't yet. Well, that's relevance. Yeah, that's relevance. Mm. Mm. It's not relevant for you in a, in a very personal way because it yeah. is just how you feel. So, yeah, it's not backed by other facts or figures or, like, this person said it and so they're the authority. That, yeah. that doesn't matter. Yeah. This is about, yeah, how it feels for you. And, yeah, for other things, like other resources in other ways, I'd, I'd be like, you're not going to think about how you feel. Judging if that's a good, re- like, resource for your university paper. Yeah. But for this it's really important. And this yeah. is where, like, white where grey literature is so important because these voices this is where these voices get picked up this is like the forefront of what we're talking about we're talking Mm -hmm. about like at the moment there's like decolonizing practice and gender identity and gender norms in Mm -hmm. witchcraft and and all those kinds of things like so this is where grey literature is going to be way more important to you than some book that was written 40 years ago oh my god yeah yeah i mean there was some real today what we consider like basic gender biases there's more genders we recognize them properly more so now yeah i was gonna say it's improving (laughs) it's improving um it's not great no but you know when you think of in a way in a relatively short time like there's so much bias against women in the 70s and the 80s. 
we've come a fair we've come a bit along from that, which is great. It's yeah, got heaps to go, but you know, we've I, come we've come away. We have. Like yeah. I remember reading in Fiona Horn's book back when I was a teenager. Yeah. She talked about same sex couples. And I remember reading about that too and going, wow. It blew my mind because, like, I just hadn't been exposed to that as an idea at all. Witchcraft, yeah. You know, so let alone in society because I was from a very sheltered upbringing. But, like, well, not that sheltered, Mm. but, like, you know, more sheltered. Yeah. And so a religious upbringing. So I I have to say, I remember when I first read that and I, because I had, um, no, he's my cousin. Yeah. Not as not very close. Yeah. But I did know that he lived with a man at the yeah. time. Yeah. And I kinda knew that they were a couple, but I was like, does this mean they're witches? <laughs> oh, okay, men are witches. Yeah. Hannah, because, that's so adorable. Because <laughs> I was quite a young I was a teenager and I was just like, hang on, because this was my very limited experience. I yeah. knew cousin was like in love with a guy. Yeah. And that was fine. But it was like also had such limited experience yeah. with same-sex couples at that so time. Cute. I was just like, does that mean they're witches? <laughs> and I asked my mum and I was like, and she said, probably not, dear, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It was just like, I don't think so. I don't really know why you're asking me that. Yeah. But all, all of that is okay, Hannah. It's, it's fine. <laughs> She was just I, looking back on it now. I can see the confusion in her eyes, but she was very good about it. How did Hannah get yeah. there? Yeah, <laughs> thanks for your horn. Yeah, <laughs> but that's the point. Like, yeah, yeah. such limited experience and yeah. new information coming yeah. in. Yeah, and testing out how that made me feel and what we're going to do with that, and a bit of critical analysis around it. All okay. gay men are witches, just by the way. <laughs> um i i um i was gonna say something completely separate but that just threw me (laughs) (laughs) hannah's good at railroading things ah it was to do with i think oh yeah i think that's why it's so important (laughs) to keep reading like these modern introductions of witchcraft 101 books like just because if you were like, oh, I'm done with modern witchcraft, like witchcraft 101 yep. 20 years ago, well, you're mm-hmm. going to miss all of that gender stuff. Oh, yeah. You're going to have missed decolonizing of the practice. Yeah. Yep. Like you probably get it online in grey literature and on social media and stuff, but there's there's new ideas and new ways to approach it. Like people And seeing how people integrate it into really basic stuff. Yes. Like my introduction was a polarity of god and goddess yeah, yes sure. same. but the thought of there being like a trio in that way or even four sort of bases of gender that was revolutionary because it changed a lot of how i practiced just thinking of how i would integrate that into even real basic stuff like how am i going to set up my altar now yeah that there's like up to four different expressions of gender that I want to have there. What am I going to do now? Yeah. Yeah. And indeed, like, I have, like, four, I've just realised I do have four of them out, representations of, like, gender on my altar. Yeah. They're all a little bit different. But, yeah. And then you read a newer 101 book and it's just got it set out, like, as a basic thing with no questions. Like, it's just this is how we do it now, which I thought was great. Yeah. Like, it's just there. It's not brought up as new and different. 
this is this is how we go now. Or in that author's book, that's how they do it. Yeah. But it's not presented as something revolutionary, it just is, which I loved. Yeah. 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 It's like it's move forward. Yeah. yeah. This is just the accepted way that this is done now. You yeah. can do we this is all these varieties of doing this are now accepted. Pick one that yeah. you resonate with. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess this is the thing, just because the older books don't talk about it, that's a, a limitation of yeah. those resources. So this because is why that's, that's what it was at that time. That yeah. was what they had. And this is why critical thinking and evaluation is important. Doesn't mean that the information in there is necessarily wrong. Wrong. Or- it's just limited mm, mm, some mm. of it might like again there, there would be some triggers in there because i could imagine there would be some issues with language and things like oh, that yeah. but um yeah so totally, if it's totally. not for you don't read it it's fine yeah. you get to decide your own learning oh yeah totally which is almost the whole point of this helping you decide your own learning how and how to get there like yeah. that's really what we're trying to help with is like how to get there uh, and some of you are probably going to be rolling your eyes like, no, freaking da, that that's how it works. <laughs> but anyway. And then, of course, the P is purpose. So sort of talked about that a little bit. Yeah. I guess already. Yeah. Because it comes all the way back to what's the purpose of the resource you're looking at, but what's your purpose Yeah, in looking at it? Yes, Queen. Which now we've come back to the beginning. Yay. We've done a whole circle. We've done a circle. And some sidetracks. And some really <laughs> long sidetracks. Yeah. And my cat's put in her two meows worth a number of times. <laughs> Sorry. And really, like, if we've missed something, let us know. Like, we're, we're, we're thinking about – so because we come from act- – academia like I mm. work in academia I've taught this stuff in academia yeah. so um uh and it doesn't apply the same way no the info is transferable there yeah. are trans- that's transferable information but it's not the same so we may miss stuff that's really obvious like well yeah. this is something that everyone knows and you're an idiot for missing it you know tell us <laughs> and we'll integrate the information and think about it critically it, yes and <laughs> we'll appreciate constructive yeah, feedback rather than you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, we'll, just, that. we'll disregard that bit, but we'll still think about <laughs> anything else that isn't derogatory that you say. Have you seen Mona's new ad campaign? Oh, my God. I'm shaking my head just by the way. So Mona have put up billboards of all their one-star reviews to advertise their business, and some of them are amazing. So <laughs> just to... <laughs> This is called a sidetrack. It is, but I think you all should know. So Mona is the Museum of Old and New Art here in Hobart. And owned by a very eccentric man. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So so let me As you'll probably be able to tell in just a few minutes. So let me find one of the good reviews. As in good, bad reviews? Yeah. Excellent. Let me see. Oh, I need one with a photo. For an example of the kind of art that is in this museum, <laughs> there was a wall of vaginas. That was in one of the reviews. Apparently mm. someone told their child that it was something else. And um, how let me find I reviews. Really would like to know what, but if you can't find it in time, that's okay. Here's one of the billboards. Yes. I left with a feeling of disdain for all galleries and museums. One star. And then they've put like their that's very eloquent username and where they're from. They're from South Australia. Okay. Um, and they've got like ads for that would make me want to visit that museum and stuff. <laughs> me too. This like works for me. Uh, Especially that's quite eloquent. Ah, uh, so yeah. Someone told their 
their children that the wall of vaginas was a celebration of exotic cuttlefish and they gave them one star. I'm offended by the cuttlefish. Why wouldn't they just tell them it's a vagina? Like, surely that's just normal. I did, I did think using – I may have told the story and you may have to cut it out. I don't think she'll ever listen, but I have a cousin who was very young at the time. She's not so young now. And she was always taught the proper words for all of the bits. Yeah. But she said vagina. 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 A vagina. A vagina. So she's like she was three. So, you know. Oh, that's all right then. Yeah. 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 yeah she yeah. was three. I was like, as an adult, vagina. No, no, no. It's not, not very fast. She did, she did, she did correct herself, you know. But yeah, at three, it was vagina. It's happening. People are teaching the right words. That's where I was going with that. Yeah. But, um, but like, you know, normalise freaking vaginas. Yeah. And, like, the whole point of that wall of vaginas is to show how varied how, yeah. they all are. Vaginas are diverse. Penises <laughs> are diverse. Exactly. They're not all from porn. <laughs> <laughs> porn is wrong. <laughs> they don't all look like that. Um, okay, so here's another one. I've got, I got yodeled at for no valid reason. One star. I want to get yodeled at. I pay at to a distance. <laughs> I pay to watch a machine take a dump. Joke's on me. One star. There's one about how his wife got asthma. <laughs> Which of you see his wife got asthma? One star. Anyway, so that's what they're doing and it's hilarious. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. That makes me want to go there again, again, again. Yeah. It's in the northern suburbs of our city of Hobart. Please come and visit because it's freaking awesome and there's, I think the Wall of Vaginas is still there. Well, according to these one-star views, it may destroy your love of museums and galleries for life. <laughs> or you may see a giant wall of cuttlefish. <laughs> I don't know if that, because they rotate. They do, they change everything. But this is all owned by this one man. This man has a giant room-sized machine that poops. Oh, that machine's not so bad. Yeah. But that's like this is this is the eccentricities we're talking about. And their website has like they've put it up on their website of all their one star reviews, and you go click on it, it comes up with everything that it says. So someone was like, if I wanted to go look at profanity, I'd just go somewhere else, you know, that kind of stuff. Walk down the street. Someone got lost, and they found, <laughs> they found that that was a problem, and they gave it one star because they, they like to walk through a curtain. <laughs> in a way, that's the most legitimate one-star review that I've heard you say so far. Yeah, I mean, it is big and, and it's over model floors and they're different levels. And a levels big bunch and... of it's underground, so yeah. um, I can't think about that when I go down there. Oh. I have weird claustrophobia. I, I, also, love... I also have agoraphobia, so we'll just leave that. I love the room with the mummy. Yeah, And the water and the, and the tiles, although I used to like it when it was dark and they had to turn the lights on for safety, but. Still quite dark. Although one thing I have to say, and Liz might laugh at this, I haven't been into the library there yet because the one the the few times I've been there, like one time it was closed, one time I took too long looking at everything else, and yeah, I haven't actually been into the library. It has a library again. All the books are owned by the owner of the museum. It always feels really weird going in there because it feels like you shouldn't be in there, but you're totally allowed to go in there. I know like it's a library, but yeah, you just go in and be like. Eh. This makes me feel uncomfortable. Yes. Um, that's our, our We sidetracked epically. <laughs> I, I loved it. So that's everything about researching that. No, it's, it's not everything. <laughs> it's it's we, our opinion of, of it. 
that we yeah, I was gonna say that we <laughs> that we we you just think about. You just made one of those big sweeping statements. statements. <laughs> no, not everything about researching full stuff. I had more to say. <laughs> I just interrupted. It was about that we think about. Yes. <laughs> and we probably think other things too, really. Yeah. But um I suppose what's what's your ba- what's basic message? Our basic message is you need to evaluate and critically think about what you're reading and pre-plan how you're going to search. What is the purpose of what you're doing? Mm-hmm. That's pretty much mine. I'd agree. My 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 basic takeaway is just think think. I want to say critically, but also deeply about the information you're consuming in your life in almost every aspect. Really, how does it make you feel? Is actually a legitimate and important consideration too. And then take it away and, and create something new with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that that's the exciting thing about research mm. is that you get to create something and build on other people's ideas So yeah. and for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose are we, we going to wrap up? We probably should wrap up. Are we um, going to sleep afterwards because I'm really tired? Well, I need to go home and watch the finale oh. of RuPaul's Drag Race. And I hope Luke will let me not go to bed because I'll be mis- pissed because I can't wait to see if Blue Hydrangea wins. So, can you just watch it without him? He might have already watched it. <laughs> Did he promise to wait? I I hope so. Otherwise, we're getting a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> you said you said that so calmly too. He knows the rules. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. You can find us on social media. You know mm-hmm. that we have our credentials out there. Yes, you can contact us. Please do. Yep, find us on Instagram, witchy.bytes. Mm-hmm. I can never remember which one has podcast and which one doesn't. Oh, I don't. Facebook, witchy bytes podcast. podcast. I think I that's think. the podcast one. You can email us at witchy.bytes at outlook.com. Mm-hmm. We do have a PO box. It's GPO box 93 Hobart 7001. If you'd like to write a snail mail. Snail mail. Snail mail. Um, yeah, and we'll catch you at the next one. And thank you for listening to this one. Yeah, God, that was a long one <laughs> and possibly boring. <laughs> all right, bye. Bye, all. Bye. Bye.